Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Still Giggs goes, he's through, he's scored! Ryan Giggs, he's at the goal that's running for Manchester United! Right footed, it's a clear header, and it's into the net! Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strategycast. My name is Dale O'Donnell and although last week we said we weren't going to bring you a podcast this week because of the international break, we said we'd show you something a bit special. Uh, I'm very happy to be joined by Gary Kernin, um, a football coach and, a, and an author. We're going to speak about Jose Mourinho for the next half an hour to 40 minutes. Um, Gary, how are you? Can you give a little introduction about yourself and the books you've done and what kind of coaching you're involved in at the moment? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Dale. Um, I'm originally from, from Northern Ireland. I'm based in Chicago here. I'm working with the women's professional team, the Chicago Red Stars, as an assistant coach. So I've been over here for uh, 18 years in the States, coached at the college level uh, for the majority of that there. Um, done my badges, my licenses, uh, done a lot of stuff back home. So I'm still connected to the game there. And also written a few books, Modern Soccer Coach, which has been a series of books basically on how the game has changed and, and how as coaches we've got to try to adapt to that, those changes. Um, so I've written books on the on that and then pre-season, some, some, some uh, training books as well. So glad, glad to be on. Yeah, well, I want to touch on that um, shortly, the, how football has evolved and obviously you've written books on that. So... Um, just before we get into that, because I'm, I'm doing a bit of coach at the moment and doing badges and so on, how different is coaching in, in the US compared to over in Europe and Northern Ireland? Yeah, I mean, I haven't worked there in, in, you know, like I said, 15, 20 years almost in terms of where I've been back in, in terms of a, a direct connection. But 
I think it's a big, we've got a big advantage here just because of the culture of what what coaches can do. I think I think over here in America, we're almost reliant on coaches. It's a very, very coach-friendly atmosphere where, where from a young age, the coach does everything for the, for the players. So from a coach's point of view, you can do a lot of work here, but then does that have an impact on developing players who can think for themselves and, and mm. maybe more creative it probably does but in terms of facilities in terms of climate in terms of pitches in terms of access you get to your players and in terms of you know making a living from it the US is is um, is a great place to be I think the one issue that we face here in Ireland with coaching with school boys and, and young kids is the the influence from other sports like say we the GA hurling Gaelic football um and we're limited to about an hour a week with kids, and that's an hour of training, and then a match maybe every two weeks, which really is nowhere near enough. Um, now, from kids playing other sports, they're obviously enhancing their fitness uh, and different skills, but um, w- with so many distractions nowadays, such as Fortnite and gaming and so on, I've noticed it here in Ireland that I don't see as many kids on the street kicking ball off, off a wall and practicing with both feet and constantly because when, when I was growing up when I came to nine ten o'clock when it was getting dark um, your name would be called to come in and your parents would have to go and find you because you were so busy playing football in the field or practicing constantly that that seems to have gone here in Ireland and you noticed that in in the states oh for sure for sure I guess it's definitely a different world now um, I was I did a podcast with Andy Reid, actually just put it out this morning, um, and he was talking about how he takes his kid out now, for he lets him play on the on the Xbox for 45 minutes, and then he takes him outside to play mm-hmm. football. I think that's a nice way of showing that we, we yeah. probably should be doing that, Dale. You know, like it's it's the same over here, and it's a little bit more structured. with with um, It's not that the kids have the choice of playing GA rugby. It's the fact that... The kids over here are probably into four or five sports in the US, yeah. and and the parents then just give up their social life basically to to do that there. So I think we've got to do a better job in almost selling the game to these players. Football's consumed differently now. Like we're we're not sitting in front of a TV match of the day at ten forty five and just having a natural love of the game and playing with our friends. So if we go out as coaches and 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 we produce a negative impact on these young players, that might be the only exposure they get to the game that week. So they're probably not going to fall in love with it. Mm. So I think I think as a as a youth level and as a coaching community we've got to do a better job yeah selling what the game's about. Absolutely. And you know you, you briefly mentioned introduction that um you've done a book on say how football has evolved and it's something that that I've been looking at while I've started my coaching um, courses is diff- a different perspective on the game and we always hear about um, a so-called manager being a dinosaur or dinosaur tactics and he's, he's not keeping up with the trend of modern football. Now, th- that That's something that's been aimed at Jose Mourinho um, uh-huh. and I think which has kind of pushed that is people are, are watching very closely Man City and, and Liverpool and seeing what Guardiola and Klopp are doing. Um, this high pressing football and it's easy on the eye and very attack minded, whereas Mourinho is much more control based and it it might not be as easy in the eye, but in the past he's been 
very successful doing that. Um, do you think it's a matter of Mourinho evolving with the game, or do you think that Mourinho's brand of football can still be successful even though it's not as as um, attractive? Yeah, I'm, it fascinates me this here. Like Mourinho for me was was the catalyst. Uh, I've even written about this in my books. I went and watched uh, Mourinho do a seminar with Real Madrid in 2012. Um, and it was like a coaching course to get into Real Madrid training for, for three days in LA. Um, and he did some sessions and he did some presentations with the coaches. And it blew my mind like it was on a different level. Um, and I thought he was the one that, that kind of brought an academic approach to coaching. He also was psychology of the game in terms of how he was managing his players, I thought, was on a different level. So, In a good or bad way? Oh, in a, in a, in a great way. Like, I thought he was ahead of the game. And then whenever, you know, just following his career, he, so he was a big inspiration for me in, in, in a lot of my work that I did. Following his career, then it just seems that Pep Guardiola has, you know, the, the bar is so high. Pep Guardiola has brought football to a level that I don't know if anyone else can or anyone else will for a long, long time. And then Jurgen Klopp is just playing a game that's different but is so entertaining. Um, and Jose's that's not it, doesn't seem to be in his philosophy of, you know, you mentioned the type of game he wants to play. He doesn't seem to do risk very well. Um, he seems to like his game structured where he wants a back six almost in front uh, in front of his goalkeeper at most of the time. So he's reluctant that, you know, I think to play attacking football and pressing football, your philosophy on on the game has to be that you're going to embrace risk. And, and Josie doesn't seem to do that. But in going back to in what people are dinosaurs and what people aren't, I just... You know, I, I argue with my friends back home all the time about it. You know, you don't, Mourinho doesn't, it's not as a, he's a very, very smart man. It's, I don't think there's any way that he hasn't evolved with the game. I just think that the, the style of game that's in today doesn't suit the way he was, he kind of made his name. If, if you look back to when Mourinho was managing Real Madrid and the clashes with Guardiola and his Barcelona side, um, yeah, there was people trapping away saying he was defensive minded and so on but it, it it wasn't so much that he the game had passed him by whereas now in England with the, so many teams playing that brand of football that Guardiola tries to or does so well um, people are suggesting that the game has passed Mourinho by and it has, not so much has changed people forget the tactical battles between Barcelona and Real Madrid were fascinating um, and when the two managers came together in England. The same thing was expected. Now, obviously, Guardiola's City are on a, diff- a total different level. And even if they don't replicate that level this season, even at, at, a, at a performance level of 80%, I still think they'll win the league. Um, but do, do you see Mourinho, Mourinho's ways of football maybe coming back to the top? Or... Is he kind of in a dilemma at the moment that he either has to change or or, or should he stick to it? I, I don't think a man should change. You know, at the point of Mourinho, knowing what he brings and knowing his track record and knowing, as you mentioned, when it comes to playing risky football, it do, it's not really his way and it doesn't usually work. Um, 
And United's football has always kind of had that, that risk factor. You know, even when they weren't successful, it was always risky. It was wide wing play attacking football. So I don't take it out of Mourinho that he's not playing that way. The club should have known that when they appointed him. So now he's manager. Fans just should need to get behind him and, and realise, like, oh, I don't really, I wouldn't call him so much a defensive manager either. I think he, his football set is to control the opposition. Um, and I don't really see anything wrong with that. Do you think that this, this type of football it can still live in this modern game? Or do you think that football has evolved beyond that totally and there's no way back? Yeah, again, it's an interesting one. Like my, my my take on it is that I think that there are different styles. I mean, I, I don't think we should all be trying to play like Man City. So yeah, I, exactly. I I watch football for a way that I, I look at different styles and, and enjoy different styles. I think with with Jose, I think it's again, it's really really interesting because you don't because he plays so many. You know, he, he manages he plays more games than any other people. You know, he. He manages players a certain way. He manages systems and tactics a certain way. You can see recently he's managed the fans a certain way. And then he manages the media a certain way. So you don't really know his philosophy at the minute, what it actually is. But I think, you know, I mean, to take a guess, it looks to be that that the control piece, I completely agree with you on, Dale. Like, I think that he's reluctant. He always wants to have that control of a game. And then he probably thinks that he can win games maybe in a in an entertaining way. I think you do that in football by either having extremely talented players higher up the pitch who can deliver, and that allows you to play. Like, and I think that's what he had at at Inter was Latan. I think that he had at Ronaldo at Real Madrid, or you can do it systematically and then play a more expansive game. And I think that's where he's struggling at United because he doesn't have the players that. He's not allowed to play four five one a little bit deeper, and then how and win the game two three nil on the counter attack because he doesn't have the players to do it. And maybe now it's he's at a stage of his career where if this doesn't work or this doesn't go, then he drops out of that top group of clubs, which then gets you less exposure to the top groups of players, which then makes you less impactful as a coach, which then. A different level of pressure on you, which maybe it's why he's acting the way he is. People will argue that one and say that he, he spent so much money on Alexis Sanchez, Romelu Lukaku, and he has great players there such as Rashford and, and Martial that probably aren't getting much of a look in at the moment. But with, with Mourinho's coaching methods, you now you might be able to go into the greater detail in this because since you're at that seminar with, with Real Madrid in LA. Um, I'm not sure if they touched on this and how he, how he coaches, but it ha- it has been brought to attention a number of times from different people, some some journalists and, and, and some coaches themselves, that Mourinho is not an advocate for, for a teaching, attack and coaching when it comes to training. It, it, it's not something that, that takes priority because he believes that he signs the right players and they should be able to take their chances themselves. Um, it's a kind of a, a sense of responsibility. Now, to me... Manager of Manchester United, Jose Mourinho, one of the greatest managers of my time, doesn't teach that in culture. I find that hard to believe. Um, does that register with you at all? Because sometimes, in fairness, if you watch United, when going forward, sometimes they don't look like they know what they're doing. There's, there's, there's no 
outlet players are going all directions and they kind of sometimes they pause when teams lock up at the back and don't know how to break it down that results to Paul Pogba doing these ridiculous Hollywood passes that take too much time um, shooting from all sorts of distance there's no real sense of um, fluidity going forward so does that go back to the training ground and can you register that perhaps he, he doesn't teach attack and coach in the same way Guardiola the same way Jorgen Klopp, the same way Pochettino would. Because Pochettino is not a perfect example of, of really getting the most out of his players um, summer after summer with the club not spending money. Yeah. I don't think that there's a, like, again, you don't have access to exactly what he does on the training pitch. Yeah. What I've seen and what I've read and what I've studied, like he, he's one of the best trainers of his generation. So, you know, is is coaching today at that level doing cross and finishing drills? Probably not, Dale. You know, it's probably got to be a little bit more advanced where you're talking about beating a block and you're talking about beating a compressed defence. Well, in order to do that there, you've got to then, well, yeah, you can have someone who can unlock it or you can play an expansive style and get more numbers up the pitch, with it, which then opens you up to the counter-attack, which he doesn't, you know, he seems to be afraid of opening up to the counter-attack. Yeah. Yeah. But every every team struggles with this. Like every Liverpool lost to a lot of teams that they shouldn't have lost twelve months ago. And the great the great Barcelona team uh, rare, rare it was rare, but they sometimes struggled against lower opposition who really like outnumbered them defensively. You know, they couldn't sometimes they couldn't break them down and the likes you have the likes of Yes and Yavi and Messi at that, that stage. It just goes to show that sometimes it doesn't always work. A hundred percent. But then, when it does work, is that coaching or is that the fact that you've got Messi in the spots or you've got Xavi in the spots? And yeah, like and then you go back to the argument of the money he has spent, but the money. But some of these players don't have price tag. Like some of these players that can unlock defenses are, you know, are just so good. And you might just be blessed to have them, or you might have again a Ronaldo who's just devastating on the counter attack that opens you up to a different style of football. Um, and I think as well, it's the one thing that we do know about his career path has been that, you know, this year three thing, I think when he's at a club the longest, he's not conditioned to do that um, himself. And I don't think that he that it's a, a year three, uh, whatever it is. I think that his relationships just with staff above him are usually strained by this. And some people manage in that way. Some people are more inclusive and more collaborative. And you can see by the Amazon series, that's the way Pep is. And some people do it more combative. And that's what, what Jose does. So whenever the results don't go for you, uh, and, and maybe the bosses or maybe the people around you, the, the wagons start to circle a little. And then that adds a little bit of, you know, that impacts how you work day to day as well. And it can make it less enjoyable. And, and I'm fascinated by it myself. You know, I'm fascinated by the decision to, for Rui Faria moving on, uh, Kieran McKenna is is absolutely brilliant young coach, um, and I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to it as well. And and in looking at connecting with those players, where those relationships, he he seems to have struggled with the, with the the new generation of players bringing in Kieran and bringing in Michael Carrick. Does that add anything to it? You know, so I'm I'm fascinated by it. I think there's a long way to go in it. Yeah, well, like. I think the, when Pogba was given the captaincy because Mourinho and Pogba weren't speaking terms, he gave us a 
to one of the two coaches to go in and inform Pogba of the decision. Um, so that kind of shows the influence or the responsibility he's passing on to to McKenna and Carrick, um, two young coaches, and obviously he's such a, a strong bond with Farry. It's going to take Mourinho, I suppose, time to not not to, to learn to trust those two, but to be that kind of relaxed environment that he would have had with Farry. I've known him so long and worked with him in so many jobs. I want to go back to the the All or Nothing Man City documentary in a moment about Guardiola. Because I'm in the middle of watching that, and I find bits, some bits intriguing, uh, and some bits of like question on, on Guardiola's half, which I think to answer to any coach, I think anyone you're going to question some bits or other. Um, but ju- just on, on Mourinho and, and his relationship with players, um, and clubs in the past, there's always there's been a track record of relationships being strained, um, teams getting very sour and bitter. And you, if you speak to some of the clubs that Mourinho has previously worked at, uh, apart from the likes of Inter Milan, people won't always speak positively about Mourinho, and sometimes very, very negatively about Mourinho, about the way he works, the way he treats people. Do you think the whole issue with, with Pogba, Martial, and some players that clearly don't see eye to eye with Mourinho, that sometimes maybe it's his fault? Um, in this particular situation, I don't. But it's always happened with Maria that this is a reoccurring team. People fall out, and that can create a good environment. And I'm sure, as a coach yourself, you want to make the best working environment possible for your players, so everyone's on the same page. Whereas Mourinho seems to want to not want to, but he always makes enemies for himself. Yeah. Again, it's it's interesting. I mean, we again we look at Pep and we look at the perfect coach and we think that the relationships. You know, you look at Klopp hugging players and you think the relationships piece. Um, if that's tight and that's affectionate and that's that's real impactful, but it, sometimes that doesn't bring actual impactfulness. That that sometimes brings comfort and that mm. sometimes brings just. Um, well, yeah, for for, in, for instance, I I spoke, I spoke to. To one particular Arsenal player um, last year, off the record, who, who who was telling me how much he loved Arsenal Wenger because of the reason that he never he never shouted at players in the dressing room. Um, I was I was sitting there thinking, or he never got cranky or complained about players in the dressing room, even at halftime until they were losing. I was there thinking, do you like that because you're in a certain comfort zone? Because you're if you're in a comfort zone. From a coach's perspective, that's not good because that comfort zone suggests mediocrity because Arsenal aren't winning things. Um, you're not being pushed on. And if you're happy at that, that level, that's that's not good from, from a coach's perspective or a player's perspective. Uh, and Guardiola too is guilty of falling out with players. You look at Slatan, um, there's a number of players at Barcelona or, and Bayern that didn't particularly see eye to eye with him. So... I suppose it's it's part of the job, really, part of the trade that you're not with twenty or so players, you're not going to get on with every single one of them, and not all those players are going to take on board what you're saying. I suppose as a coach, you're hoping the majority do, um, but you kind of have to accept that maybe two or three aren't going to like your ways or your philosophy, and kind of tough look, um, which is which. With Guardiola and in that documentary, was there anything that, that kind of stood out to you that 
you found strange about it. There was there's a lot of mentions about Jose Mourinho and a lot of mentions about Manchester United. There was there was the second episode was was based on the so called noisy neighbours, which they they label they took from us. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought some of it was what I found really interesting was the was the aspect of just how big his how big the show is with him in terms of his support staff. And I think that's where a lot of these managers today are are separating themselves. I think it's the ability to to create an environment that can facilitate sports science, that can facilitate video analysis, psychology, all this, all these areas, and be able to manage that there, almost like a, an NFL coach, so to speak. Then having a personality that can have an impact every time you sit in front of the players. So I thought from that there, like he's a showman. I don't, I don't know if you'd get a better actor than Pep Guardiola. The star of that there was a was a movie. But on the other side of it as well, I think you know the thing for me was that he's got the same the same area. Like you can see if he, he feels guilt whenever he has to take a player off. You know he he knows that the players don't like him and he doesn't. You know he's vulnerable like the rest of us. And I think today in today's football, you know you said two or three not liking you. I, You'll, you'll be lucky if it's less than 15. <laughs> like, it's 11 players who are usually in favour of the manager and they're the ones who are stepping on the park on a mm. Saturday. The rest of them are, are looking for your head. And I think I think that's where Mourinho's done. You know, I think there's been opportunities for players probably to have pops and I think they haven't. Um, and I think he's kept the locker room relatively together. Yeah, he's. it seems like he's, his relationship is strained with, with a few of them. But at the same time... That's the way he, you know, I think at Real Madrid in that, there's a, there's a great book and, I, and we don't know how authentic it is because it's written almost from a mole's point of view, that, that book on at Real Madrid. But he, he was talking about that he manipulated it. He manipulated the players' motivation levels through playing time. Is um, that um, the book by Diego Torres? Yeah, very good. Very interesting. Um, and a lot of similarities in how he's dealt with big players and the type of, you know, I think at Real Madrid, it was easy coming after Barca, which allowed you, not easy, but it was an easy narrative to sell to your players. Um, you know, the underdog and the, and the spoilers. And at Manchester United, you can't do that. So you can't take that template and move it over to Old Trafford. Um, I, think, I, I, think, I think the biggest, the, 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 the relationship between Jose Mourinho and, and the fans is a strange one because... Before the season started, I think a lot of people were on the same page in terms of not being satisfied because United's playing style didn't really have a real sense of identity in comparison to to, to City, Liverpool and Spurs. And when I say that, it, it, it's that when they go forward, it's like it's a lack of imagination, a lack of what to do, no plan, no sense of, of knowing what, what, what they're setting out to do when, when they're on the front foot. And then when the season started after such a traumatic summer with Ed Woodward not getting the players Mourinho wanted to bring in, people started to kind of sense that, well, you know, it's a tough job for Mourinho as it is. He wasn't given the back in the summer, despite him just giving the new contract. And then as the games came on, you had the, when, he, when he went towards the away fans at Burnley and he clapped the fans off after Spurs, I got a sense of party politics. And he was putting the club in a situation that I'm going to get the fans on side. So if you're going to try and sack me, it's going to be very, very difficult to do that because the fans like me now, and they do like him now, and they kind of they see him as as their manager. So 
with the players on that note too, it's a results business. And he hasn't lost the dressing room yet. But if the season continues of, say, four, two wins out of four, that's not really a good enough record. And if that continues, and you're either losing games or dropping loads of points, that's when the players would fall out. And that's when the players would go against the manager. Can you see at any stage, while Jose Mourinho is manager, that he wins the league against this Pep Guardiola City? So I know we're banging on about, about City and Guardiola a lot. But but let's face it, as things stand, he is the best coach in England. He definitely is. He definitely is. Um, he's the best coach in the world by a by a street. Um, I I don't I don't think you know I think it's too hard for I think United's infrastructure is is not built to deal with City's infrastructure at the minute in terms of squad and in terms of consistency. So no, I don't. I think City have the league wrapped up like yourself. I think eighty percent probably does it for them. Um, but uh, you know, again, it, maybe maybe Mourinho's philosophy does change where that where that game with the upper management becomes a priority for him because it gets you access to the different players, and that's where. The, and again, there's different ways to doing everything. So there's Pochettino who who wanted players at the end of the season and then said it was okay um, in August. But Mourinho doesn't operate that way. He puts under everyone under immense pressure. So. There's, he he might think that he needs a, a level of player that he doesn't have at the minute, and that might be straining yeah relationships with with players. I do agree with you on the fans. It looks a little bit forced at the minute, but hmm. maybe he, he that's another another pawn in the chess game for him. But um, I'd love to see like maybe Champions League suits them a little bit more. But at the minute, you, you would you would probably with their level of performance, you'd probably be a little bit skeptical going into those games. When you look at this current United team. For you, what does it lack? And is, is there any players in world football right now that you think that would just would perfectly fit this system? And realistically, like you can't go off and say I want San Lionel Messi, but but um, this this current team, what does it lack? And is there any players you think that would enhance and help Mourinho out? Obviously, we we need a centre half or two. Yeah, I mean, I would. I'm probably not the man to ask because you know I thought I thought Di Maria was was perfect for United at that stage. I thought Sanchez was a brilliant signing, and and both of them haven't been. You know, and then you look at what what he's done with you know maybe he's taken a template from others other clubs, and then you look at at Lukaku. He's always had a big striker, a target forward. You look at Ibrahimovic, uh, Drogba. You know, it hasn't lifted him above those other teams. You know, are you getting a better centre midfielder than Pogba? Um, again, it's going to cost you money that United probably can't afford from a club that probably won't sell him. So I don't think there's anyone beyond the top 10 players in the world that are going to help United at the minute. Um, they've just got to get better going forward and they've just got to get better breaking those teams down. And and I'm sure, like, this is the thing, and I'm sure with, he's such a smart man that, this has got to be a focal point in what he's trying to do on the training pitch. He does believe in the training pitch. Some managers don't. Some managers are Saturday managers that they go out and, and motivate and inspire. And Jose is a worker. Um, so I, I would assume that he's working on these things day to day and maybe in the click into place. We, we actually have a question that was sent in from Desi Fahey. Um, are players such as Pogba um, resistant to improve other elements of their game to become a better team player worth keeping 
So, say a player that has such a big ego that thinks he's after winning the World Cup, he's after reaching the pinnacle of football. Uh, do you think he's kind of, I suppose, reluctant to enhance his game from a team player perspective because he feels that he's an individual and he, he's a world star? Yeah, I posted about this the other day. This one, uh, this one struck a chord with me, uh, I, and I, I think that with Pogba, every, every player today, it's about themselves. That's just the world we live in. But I think, you know, he's won the World Cup. He's been Ballon d'Or runner-up or what a top three, and he's European Championship finalist. Still the success with Juve in the Champions League. He's a he's a world star. And if we don't, you know, if he conducts himself in a way that that we don't like, you know, does that mean, you know, is there is there a template that a, that a top player, ha- does everyone have to act like Ronaldo or Messi? Does everyone have to be humble and nice every day? And I don't think so. Like, I just think that's that's something that we're putting on ourselves. This is, a, you want players to be successful so that they get to a confidence level that they can step, that step, I say that level, that they can step on Old Trafford in front of 80, 90,000 people and perform. Um, I don't think anyone gets overconfident. I don't think, do they get comfortable in their career? Yeah, yeah. Like the money probably does change at some stage, but I don't think there's any evidence of that at Pogba just yet. But I think, I think that's just the way players are. Are they team friendly? Can we make them be more of the team? Like that's just the way they are at the minute. That's just the way I, players are. We've finished. I think that's in every walk of life because if, if if you look at um, even college in general. Uh, education and people always talk about when you're filling out your resume to put in that you're a team player and blah 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 it's every walk of life it's a definite benefit if you're a team player but but not everyone is not everyone is and I think that that's also an issue with United's midfield in the past few years that they're signing players that might be big name like Pogba, Matic, Fred, you name and Herrera and all these players but do they fit, fit, fit a system? Do they fit one another? Do they complement one another? And you can have the best midfielder in the world in the wrong midfield and they won't perform. But you can have an average midfielder in a midfield that helps one another out and he looks 10 times better. So I think United going forward and Jose Mourinho going forward, I think maybe it's something he's trying to do with Fred because Fred gets the ball forward quite well and he's identified that as a weakness. But it's to get in the right players for the system. And it's, you know, that's something that Jorgen Klopp did at Brissy Dortmund very well. He's doing that at Liverpool. Because you look on paper, some of the players that he signed for Liverpool, like Robertson and stuff, they wouldn't have stood out to people a year ago um, before he cost £8 million and that this player was going to play in a Champions League final in a few months' time. You know, I think it's much better to get a system that gels right rather than spending massive money on marquee signings as individuals. Now, if you can get a marquee signing that, that fits the system, that's even better. Um, that's going that's, In the long run, it's going to be much, much better for you. But another question from Dave Cleaver. Um, it kind of, on, on the same boat, as we're talking about Mourinho's relationship with players and stuff. Um, Dave wants to know, is there a way, like coaches in general, have they got a, a, a method to deal with, say, as he describes, diva players and how to keep them in check I suppose players with big egos and stuff I think to get to the level of Manchester United you know you need to have an ego you need to have a lot about your personality and you're probably going to be difficult to manage in a certain way if things aren't going well because that's just again you mentioned 
compare it to students and compare it to colleagues. Like th- these people are entertainers today, um, to a, to a large extent, and enter- entertainers. You know, a coach almost becomes a supporting role, um, where we think that the coach is the motivator and the inspirer. The coach might just be a facilitator and be like, "Hey, what do you need to go out and perform the way you do?" Because there's so much pressure in football today, and because you know, the, it's not just the result that's impacting these players. It's the it's the millions and millions of endorsements. It's where their careers go and their schedules or whatever. So. You know, I, yeah, I don't think they are divas. Like, I, I think that that's just the way football is. It's uh, we've turned this into an industry where, you know, it's there's millions and millions at stake for these players um, every year. So dealing with that, there is an art to dealing with that, though, Dale. I do agree, I, and but not the fact that you know you don't want everyone to get in their place, and you don't want people to take a step back and stay in your box. That's not how you deal with people. I don't, yeah, exactly. I, I don't think we want robots. Everyone be on the same page, you know. And as well as that, bring Pogba back into it. Something that's, that really annoys me is is this obsession from former players that played in the eighties or, or beyond that. Um, oh, the haircuts are are distracting his football, or the social media are distracting his football. If you put in comparison, a Paul Pogba putting a post on Instagram. In comparison to players back in the seventies and eighties, when it was okay to go out on the piss most nights, um, there's a massive difference there. A massive difference. Um, do you know, is there overemphasis on on players using social? media? I know they can use it t- to a negative effect, but can players of of the era when it was okay to go out on the piss pretty regularly? Is it okay for them to to criticize Pogba for having a coloured haircut or for having a a post on, on, on Instagram, you know, it, it's, it's, it's baffling. And there's, there's certain people that are, that are worse for it. Graham Soonis can't, um, can't sit in the Sky, Sky Sports studio without mentioning Paul Pogba's name in a negative light. Um, Garrett Crooks, who does the, the BBC team of the week, whether Pogba performs well or not, and he puts Pogba in, in his team of the week, he still has a way to have a go at him. You know, are some players, like Pogba, doomed before they even start because so much criticism on their shoulders. And you mentioned to play at Old Trafford in front of all those fans every week, the biggest club in the world. He, he comes across to me someone confident that can deal with that. But when you are add, add that on with the constant negative criticism, sometimes he might not help himself, but it, it's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? Not that, that they could go out drinking and he can't put a post on Instagram without getting insulted. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty I think it's pretty simple to see what's happening. I mean, these people are paid to analyse and paid to entertain as well. They've got to put something, some meat mm. on the bone analysis. They can do that by analysing a game who the majority of us want to analyse with a little bit of depth and some insight, or they can grab probably the lowest bearing uh, leaf or rose bearing fruit and grab a, a card that oh, hey the player's got a bad attitude and that's what they're doing you know it's it's an easy one it's some, something's different and something stands out and that's the one that someone's going to say and that's what what disappoints me with a couple of these because I really respect their opinions on the game but when you're sitting watching saying like alright can you tell us why this didn't work or why you think it did well it's because of the haircut or it's because they take selfies or 
you know, with with Roy Keane and Pogba was walking off with his brother that time. Like, yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah, like someone could put a word in your ear and be like, yeah, it might be a better if you didn't do this because of perception. Is that the reason why he doesn't perform consistently at a nine, a ten out of ten? No, it's a lot more complex than that. There. Um, so yeah, I, I wish that they would, but yeah, you're right. The game's changed. Where these play, everything they do now is picked up on. It's I don't think it's an, a hugely enjoyable era to be a professional footballer. If I'm honest, um, the money's great, but your life is just you know it's just handed over, and it's yeah. not as enjoyable as we think it is. You know, I, I don't think they want to be on Instagram every day, but that's what that's they have to do that to get paid X amount of dollars or pounds. So, absolutely. No, I have a reasonable amount of empathy for them. We're going to wrap it up shortly. Um, before we do that, I, I want to ask you away from United for a moment um, about Michael O'Neill, the manager of Northern Ireland. Um, we're obviously in a, a situation here in the Republic with Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane falling out with players and talk that O'Neill should be sacked after because the, the identity of football is, is shocking. But the standard of players isn't very good and Ireland aren't producing young players like they once were. So I think it's something that the whole system here now needs to be uprooted. Um, but, but up in the north, Michael O'Neill is doing a fantastic job. Um, no world-class players really, but there's a sense of identity about them. They're overachieving. Um, he turned down the Scotland job to stick with Northern Ireland. How would you describe the job he's doing? Um with the Northern Ireland setup, and do you pay much attention to international football? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a Northern Ireland fan. Um, I keep in touch with it as well as I can. I go over to the Euros. I went over to the Euros to watch them. Um, jumped on that bandwagon, and then I've got a, a few friends that are involved just at the youth level at the national team. So I just keep tabs on what's happening there. And you know, you're right. There's a system. Um, there's a philosophy that's gone in place and there's good work being done at the youth levels as well with lesser resources. Um, not that the Republic have all the resources either, but I think it's just, it's a state, a state of leadership that I was saying before about Pep, that's that's a style of management that is now looking a little bit beyond the first team and it's going into, like we saw Sir Alex do it 20 years ago and we thought it was great that he was taken and we just looked at it as he's using the, the young players to get players out of it but I think it's managing an environment that's where Ferguson was light years ahead of it um, and I think Michael O'Neill has done a brilliant job he's got people involved at, at the youth level outside the game strength and conditioning they're doing the right types of training there's different types of training as well and then when they get to the first team there's a clear identity of play um, he's a humble guy he's uh, from uh, everything I've heard is that he's people are on board they want to play for him and he's brought a a nice approach to it as well. He's made it enjoyable to go back and play for Northern Ireland, so hopefully he sticks around. I think the same thing with Wales at the moment. You know, you look at the, the whole Rice issue with Hug of Ireland, you might go to England after playing so many games with, with Ireland at a, at a younger level. But O'Neill, for, for instance, ha, has put some blame on the players that, that, he's, that he has, that he has not, the players aren't coming through. Of, of high quality um, but as you just alluded to there shouldn't Martin O'Neill be, be showing more interest in, in in the youth system learning and looking to reshuffle it rather than sitting back saying well I'm just manager of the first team I don't care about the rest because that's not my job but it is your job 
as a manager of a of a of a country, Gareth Southgate, Ryan Giggs, Michael and Martin O'Neill, you're the head of, of of that country in terms of football, and you should be showing interest in what the youths are doing, the under sixteens are doing. Are they playing the type of football that you want them to play when they come into the first team? That's not happening. So surely the Republic of Ireland needs a total reshuffle. And you mentioned they obviously haven't got the, the largest resources, but they have greater resources than Northern Ireland have. Yet if you watch Northern Ireland, there's a clear sense that they're working towards something. Where Ireland, it's painful to watch the Republic of Ireland at the moment. And I think a lot of fans are want, want to switch in management. And I find it hard to blame. And this is Martin O'Neill, who has had a fantastic career. A great track record. Roy Keane, who I think took the job to kind of get his way back into managing again. But after such a promising European qualifiers campaign, and now this, it's a massive contrast. And things have, have, have downslided big time. Just before we go, um, I want to ask just a quick question. If, if Mourinho is to go in the morning, or to go at the end of the season, and you had to pick one of three managers, which three would be in the front run? Yeah, there's a question and a half. Um, <laughs> do they have to, are they free agents, or can they be with someone? Anyone. Anyone? Um, yeah. Well, I'll leave Pep out, that's too obvious. Um, and Thomas Tuchel, I think, um, would bring something different, a different dynamic. Um, would be expansive and exciting. I'd like to see someone like Ancelotti that just has a different leadership approach to it. And if it could get some, you know, again, he's not that rigid in a state of play. Um, he's a little bit more relaxed. So Ancelotti and then, yeah, I mean, like Klopp would be mine. I just love to see that. I'd love to see Klopp at Old Trafford just to see what he would do differently than Jose. That's um, not going to happen. <laughs> never, ever, ever going to happen. But um, yeah, those would be my three. Or, or, <laughs> all right, I'll throw a tick clop out. Brendan Rogers, Dale. Because again, just the really? bias. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of Brendan Rogers. And I think Brendan Rogers has. Please um, explain. I thought he was brilliant at Liverpool. Like, I, I think he'll never get the credit for kind of turning that team around into expansive football. And I think the idea is that he's taken from abroad. I don't think his image is helped because I think he's a victim of being from the UK. And and I, I think Brendan Rodgers is, is top, top class. Like the type of football that he plays and the way he manages players. Largely, a, a lot of it's influenced by that Chelsea era at Mourinho as well. Maybe he's taken a different a different side of it, but I, I think he's outstanding. I, I, I do admire Rodgers to a degree that from a young age, suffering an injury and having to retire young that he he studied most of the big countries big football countries in Europe and travelled around on his own merit to study different managers and I think one of those was Louis van Gaal when he was at a, uh, Alkmaar but and, and you, have to, you have to respect that but I just think the whole the, the season they almost won the league to be that naive defensively in particular against Crystal Palace. Now the thing is that can also be a very positive thing in terms that he can learn from it, and, and that won't happen again. But I think it's going to be very hard for us to 
truly analyse what Rodgers is doing in Scotland and has he progressed as a manager because as things stand it, 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 it's pretty much a one-horse race and has been for the past few years unless Rangers can somehow um, well they started the season well unless they can get back to what they were previously like Rodgers basically has a free run at the at the league but it's interesting you didn't mention a name that, that lots of people are, are speculating over one's Zidane the other one's Pochettino um, yeah. the thing of Pochettino is he hasn't won anything in football it's great the players love him but he hasn't won anything and, and it could be a big jump to manage Manchester United and then you have Zidane who obviously has a fantastic record at Real Madrid but something I keep telling people too is on, people compare Zidane to Guardiola because of being a former player uh, and managing the club years later. The difference is, both, both managers have fantastic players, but the difference is Guardiola stamped his authority on not just La Liga or European football, but world football, um, with his identity of the game and the way he changed the game. He evolved the game. It's, it, I think a lot of it's to do with him. Um, whereas Zidane... Can't, you can't say that about him. Yes, he won three Champions Leagues in a row, but I think the next job is going to be very telling. And if it, if it is Manchester United, I don't think Zidane walking into the dressing room will be the same thing as him walking into the Real Madrid dressing room or even the Aventus dressing room because he was such a big figure at those clubs. And the same thing about Ryan Giggs too. I think he has to go and prove himself before he's even in contention with the United job. And lots of people wanted him before Mourinho and when you compared the both, there was only one manager for me, and that was Mourinho, who I wanted after Ferguson. So it'd be interesting to see how things fare out. Um, and lastly, just a big thank you for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate the conversation, and I really enjoyed it, Gary. Um, and I suppose just one last mention, how can people follow you on, on social media, and how can people buy your, your books on, on football coaching? Yeah, my um, my social media is at Gary Kernin. And on on Instagram and Twitter, and then I'm on uh, yeah the books are on Amazon Modern Soccer Coach. Um, also got a po- coaching podcast as well, Modern Soccer Coach too. If if um, there's a good Irish version uploaded this morning, Dale, so you might enjoy that with with uh, yeah with uh, with Andy Reid. Brilliant stuff. I'll definitely check with Andy Reid's and it's an interesting character. Yeah. And, and, I, and I suppose too, so I, I actually really like that. Um, what you were saying about how he kind of tries to split his kid playing sport and, and the time on the Xbox or PlayStation. Because I think when you're you're teaching young kids, I think it's crucial, and it's from the parents' perspective too, to get that balance. Um, you can spend far much too, too much time on, on those consoles. And it can, it can not only affect your sporting life, but your education and your social life. Because we're also we're also used to now, like me and you here, we're talking on Skype. But the conversation between people face to face is almost dying out. And even from a coaching perspective, that's so important because the tone you give when you're passing a message is vital. And that's one of the reasons I thought Gary Neville struggled at Valencia. He needed a translator. Now, when he gives a message, what's to say the translator is going to deliver that message in the same tone to a to a group of players? And that almost straight away, if you can't speak Spanish, shoots you in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his tone is so important. You can give the greatest message to a player, 
that even Alex Ferguson would be impressed by. But you might deliver it the wrong way, and it doesn't pass through to the player. He might not. He might be distracted. Might be paying attention. But Alex Ferguson might take that message and deliver it a much, much better way. And it goes into the player's brain. Um, there are just a few things I've picked up from the few weeks of of my studies and, and, and learning the, the methods of a coach. Um, but yeah, that's it really. And Gary, just finally, thanks a million for coming on. No I'm sure you enjoyed it yeah. and uh, excited to see what happens at Old Trafford. <laughs> hopefully the results pick up and, and hopefully Mourinho um, gets us back on track because as someone that wanted Mourinho to come in, I'm desperate for him to succeed. I, I, I never, whoever's manager, I never want to see them fail at, at United. So um, fingers crossed. And again, best of luck with, with your season with coaching as well, Gary. And hopefully yeah. this podcast gets you a, a few boys on Amazon as well. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Dale. We'll talk soon. Brilliant. Take care, Gary. Thanks a million. Not a problem. Still Giggs goes. He's through. He's scored. Ryan Giggs. He's at the goal that's played for Manchester United. To the left. Right footed. It's a clear header. And it's in the left. Stoker has won the European Cup for Manchester United. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.